Hey, welcome back to Unpopular Truth Podcast. I am Carrie, and I'm super excited about this episode because I have a special guest with me today. Emma, say hello to everybody. Hello, everybody. This is my friend Emma. So we are mixing it up today on the podcast. We have totally kicked the boys out. So Emma and I are just going to have a chat today with you guys. We're going to talk about biblical Biblical womanhood. womanhood. Yeah, that wasn't planned. That was really good. That was good. We're just going to talk about um, gender roles, and I think this is going to be beneficial for guys and girls, uh, both, to listen to our conversation. Absolutely. Um, But we just thought it would be funner. More fun. Is that funner? Is that more fun? More fun. We thought it would be more (laughs) fun um, if we just talked about it, and so. Y'all all know what's going to happen after this. The guys are going to want to do their own episode, and we will allow it. We will yes. let them do their own episode that because be fun. they have let us do this. So we're going to chat it up. So, Emma, what has been going on this week? A lot of things have been going on this week. Okay. It was Halloween, for one. Halloween. We hung we out. That. It was a good time. We did. Yeah. We did the whole. Played a lot of charades. Played charades. We did a the party. C- yep. We played spoons. We all dressed up. Yeah. Was super fun. What'd you dress up like, Carrie? We, Ronnie and I, went as the castaway guy. Did he have a name? What's the name in the movie? I totally forgot. I have not seen this movie in many a year. Okay, so the castaway guy, Tom Hanks. Yeah. Ronnie dressed up with the the ball. With the Wilson. Ball, Wilson. Yeah. And I went as the FedEx box package <laughs> box. <laughs> yeah. Super super uh, creative there. That was all. It Ronnie's was. Idea. Did Did you guys actually come up with it, Ronnie? No, I figured it was a last-minute Pinterest idea. No, like you just he saw even, it. He didn't even look on Pinterest. He just That's came up incredible. with that on his own. I know. He's a super creative guy. Good so. job. Yep, we did that. What else? Uh, so I dressed up like Elizabeth Bennett from Pride and Prejudice, and yes. my boyfriend Jonathan was Mr. Darcy, and that was really fun. Yes, y'all I, were super cute. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed wearing a fancy dress. Fancy. Yes, with the white gloves and everything, my hair thing. done all up. I know. Courtesy of his mother. She did very Aww. good doing my hair. Great. I, I tried. It that. looks horrible. So, <laughs> All right. well, anyway, so let's okay. get started. Mm. Get started. Biblical womanhood. Yeah. So, Emma, what do you think, um, young women your age? I'm 21, by the way. To Emma all those listeners who don't know me personally, Emma is 21. Yes. Um, what do you think is the biggest pushback on specific biblical gender roles that you see with your age group? I think that the biggest thing is probably the idea of submissiveness and mm. having a skewed idea of mm. what being submissive actually means. Right. And the idea that women aren't supposed to speak in the church. And I mean, mm-hmm. all of these come from scripture, but right. it's for a specific context and has to be looked at fully. And so we're going to definitely dive into that in this podcast. But mm-hmm. I think that that's probably the biggest podcast is the biggest podcast, <laughs> the biggest <laughs> pushback yeah. that people have towards gender roles is that they are reading it from their Western lens and seeing submissive mm-hmm. as being a negative thing and not understanding the full context. So so I have a question for you. So absolutely, do you think that young women your age, around your age, do they have a problem with specific gender roles? Like, do they want to have the same responsibilities and roles as the man? Or is that not <laughs> a thing? Well, I don't know deep, da- deep down people actually want that. Uh, but we definitely see society telling us that we have to make ourselves equal with men and that yes. we're still... <laughs> 
right in the middle of that fight for equality, which, I mean, personally, I don't really see, and we can definitely yeah. get into that. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think that with uh, the rise in feminism, and second and third wave feminism especially, trying to tell us that we're still in the thick of the fight and that we still have mm-hmm. to continue to push our way through the patriarchy and all this kind of stuff that, I mean, it, it's not happening. It's That's not the reality that we actually live in right now. I agree. And so we're told that we need to be make ourselves equal with men when in reality we already are. And so now we're just trying to elevate ourselves above men, which is the result of the fall. So let's unpack that um, just quickly, uh, specifically the consequences of the fall that affect women. Go for it. So it's Genesis 3. Um, I'm just going to read verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your pain in childbirth. In pain, you will bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So, of course, one of the consequences of the fall is pain in childbearing. Pretty self-explanatory. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And then the other consequence, though, is that wives will desire to be the head of the home. So even though the hierarchy of the family was already set up. In Genesis 2? Yeah. Yeah. It was already established um, because Adam named Eve. So that gives the connotation of ownership. So even though it was already established, here we see because of sin and because of the fall, now wives want to be in charge of the home. They want to have authority over their husband. Now, this is not all men have authority over all women. Exactly. That is not and what scripture says. Right. And that's how it's been interpreted by a lot of the patriarchal systems that tried to exactly. make all men over women. Yeah, exactly. It's and taking this verse and completely changing the connotation. Yeah, that's why we get all messed up. So I think it's important just to remember that um, this is specifically with husband and wives. And um, one of the consequences is that even though the hierarchy was already set up, the family was already established, the order of the family was established, now the wife wants to usurp the authority of her husband and she wants to be in charge. Right. And just to reiterate one more time, when we talk about the hierarchy, it's -hmm. talking about the order that God has established for husbands and wives yes not for families for families specifically not talking about our worth because god loves us equally men and women we just have different jobs right that's the complementarian viewpoint that we've been talking about absolutely right these are great uh (laughs) points that you've already brought up and um so on today's episode of course we're going to be talking about gender roles from a theologic perspective so we're, we're going to take some scripture mm-hmm. um, and that will be how we discuss it um, a lot of times when we talk about gender roles um, we attempt to discuss it um, socially politically legally pragmatically mm-hmm. and um, I think that's where for the Christian a lot of confusion comes in and um, actually frustration yeah so um, for me uh, you know with my background I wasn't uh, raised seeing a lot of men. Um, I just wasn't uh, raised around men. Right. Um, so I was raised by a single working mom. So uh, my training and upbringing was 
you know, I never thought that I would not work. I never thought that I would not go to college and get a degree. Um, I always pictured myself um, working, uh, contributing <laughs> to whatever family. Um, I didn't really have a picture of that either, but um, I never pictured myself um, being a submissive wife <laughs> and mother. Uh, so um, I fed right into that ideology um, that, you know, probably some man wasn't going to tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> so, Emma, let's just jump right in there. So All what right. happens in your mind, what happens if we do just erase gender roles altogether? So let's just oh. erase sexuality, let's erase gender roles, and we're all just going to jump in there and just do whatever task arbitrarily comes our way. What what happens? <laughs> Some people would say utopia, but I would <laughs> say wow. the complete opposite. Yeah. I, I think that a world without order is complete chaos. Me too. Yeah. I'm, I, it's very obvious that men and women have strengths of our yeah. own, which leads right into the first point I do believe we should talk about, the difference between egalitarianism and complementarianism. Yeah, yeah so let's talk about Because we have to talk that. about what these are and what lens yeah. we're coming from. Yeah, so if you have not heard those terms before, we're just going to do a quick definition um, of egalitarian and complementarian. So egalitarian is relating to or believing in the principle that all people are equal and deserve equal rights and opportunities. And complementarian is a theologic view in which men and women have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, and religious leadership. Right. So, so both of these theological arguments or yep. points of views sure. say that men and women are equal to one another. Yes. Correct. Okay. So yes. that's, that's very important because a lot of people don't understand that. Yeah, so men and women are equal according to Scripture. Um, and they're equal in the image of God, and they're equally morally responsible. So God made two genders, men and women, equally. So, right. so they're equal um, in the eyes of God, although we have distinct roles. So that would be the complementarian point of view. Yes. So that is definitely the lens that we can agree on. Yeah. And that we're coming from. Right. Right. And, and I think that, um, I think that, Emma, you already made such a great point about order. Um, if we go back to Genesis 1, um, we see this really cool order of things that God creates, and he creates order by distinction. So sometimes we lose that in Genesis 1 and 2 because God, right off the bat, remember he says, okay, there's light. There's dark. There's night. Night. And, and there's day. day. <laughs> right. There's land and the sea. There's right. Land and the sea. There's the birds firmament and, the and there's the sky. <laughs> there's the birds and the fish, right? So he starts right off the bat creating this order of distinction. That's right. Okay. So then when we get to the end of Genesis 1, of course, he says, let us make man in our own image and he makes them male and female. Again, another distinction. Right. S even before that, though. What happens? No, there's, you there's Adam. Yeah. And he's living. He's chilling. <laughs> <laughs> he's living and chilling. He's living and chilling. And God says, it's not, it's not enough. It's not enough. We're missing something. Yeah. So I love that part of scripture. And, you know, I always remind y'all, um, my young girls that I hang around that I just love. <laughs> Please I give some context to I that before you move on. I know. I always remind, um, 
So the college girls that we have a little Bible study that we do. And I always remind y'all that God did not think creation was complete without a woman. So he said, it's good, but he didn't say it's very good until he created a female, which is such an important thing to remember because no one can elevate a female higher than God does. Right. Society will never elevate the female as high as God does in Scripture. So, so we need to come into this with, um, with those things in our mind right. that um, we are equal but distinct. And I, think I that's agree. A, yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good jumping off point. So, if God elevates a woman higher than society, why are we having such a struggle in society? Giving me this is a question, Carrie. That's a good question. I know, right? Because here's the thing. So society is actually devaluing the role of a woman. Ooh. Yeah. See, it's a lie. <laughs> actually, <laughs> they're devaluing the role of a woman because they want to blur those lines. Just go out there and just do whatever you want to do. When God's perfect order really values the woman, it elevates her. And it puts her in this position that she is to be protected and cared for and cherished. So show me some scripture. By a man. Let's talk oh about gosh. that. Okay, well, let's just go, um, let's just stay in Genesis, let's see, let's stay in Genesis 1. Oh, Genesis 2. So let's just go, um, Genesis 2, we'll go to the end where God actually creates the woman. And we'll just talk about this for a second. So Genesis two eighteen. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. That's important. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the sky, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Okay, so let's just talk about that creation there for a second because that is is a serious elevation of a woman. And sometimes we miss these points about our role as women because it's right there, okay? So it says the woman is made for the man, okay? So one of my roles is to be a helper suitable for my husband. So ladies, you have to adapt. (laughs) I have to know how to best help my husband. I don't have to I don't have to know how to best help every man. That's not what it's saying. Amen. It's saying <laughs> I have to know how to best help my husband mm-hmm. in the marriage covenant. So that is one of my roles as a woman right. is to be a helper suitable, right? That same scripture says that the woman is brought to the man. I just love that, y'all, because I am a gift to my husband. 
I am not an annoyance or an irritant <laughs> or, you know, I, I'm not something that he's got to take on that he's like, oh my gosh, you know, now I got to, you know, take care of her. I am a gift. That's what scripture says. Right. I am a gift to him that he should cherish and, um, you know, love and appreciate. And that's that great picture of marriage that we see. So that is another one of my roles is to be a gift, to be a source of joy. Hmm. Let's talk about marriage. Let's oh, you want to talk about marriage? Oh, you yes. Let's turn over New Testament. Okay. And talk about how women are to be loved. If we turn over really quick, Ephesians 5 at the end, um, Paul talks about this um, because he talks about marriage um, as a picture of the church. So um, he says uh, in Ephesians 5, 22, he says, Wives be, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Okay, not a big deal. Talking about submission, it says it right there. We're gr- that That's the woman's place. She's going to be submissive to her husband just like she is submissive to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, nobody freak out yet. And then he talks to the husbands. This is my favorite part. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's a big love. That's a big one. So husbands, I, I'm going to tell you all right now, Paul gets a lot of flack for what he says about women and the prescription that he gives us for how we're supposed to live. He is much, much, much harder on men, in my opinion. Because, I get that. Yeah. He tells the husbands that they are supposed to love their wives. Sacrificially. Enough even to, to death. die for them. Right. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't tell me say that. that to he, do doesn't that yeah, 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 yeah. he doesn't say that to me. He says, you've got to submit. And so here's the thing. It's so easy in my Christian walk to submit to God, Emma, because he died for me. Right. I never question his love for me. Because the minute I do, I just go to scripture and it says, he loved me so much that even when I was an enemy of his, right. he went to the cross and died, right? right? So it's not hard at all. So right. so I have no problem submitting to my husband um, because that is the prescription that God gave for the home. Exactly. And if we keep reading, it talks about how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church, like we just yes. talked about. And if if the gender roles are being played out, the marriage roles are being played out correctly, mm-hmm then there's no problem. No, there's no problem. There's no problem I, at all. That's yeah. perfect harmony. Yeah. because That's I what ha- the aim is. That's right. Because I have no problem submitting to someone who loves me that much. Exactly. Because I know that he would never hurt me. I know that he's going to protect me and provide for me because that's his prescription. That's, right. that's God's prescription for the man. Mm-hmm. And so, because um, we just saw that back in Genesis 1, right? Adam named Eve which back in biblical culture, Eastern culture, that is a sign of authority and possession. So Eve belongs to Adam. He gets to name her, right? So I know that's kind of probably harsh to say. The belonging. In today, I know. Kind of freaks people out a little bit. I know it does, but it should be a source of comfort and security, right? I mean, I I think so. I know. There are going to be people who disagree with that, but... 
I guess know. that's just perspective. I, I guess it's, I don't know. I guess it is perspective, but yeah. So, okay, we've talked about um, a little bit about marriage. We've talked a little bit about roles um, for the woman. <laughs> Let's we talk can, about Paul's opinions going. and roles. Paul's what? <laughs> opinions on women's roles, yeah. especially in the church. Let's so talk about First Timothy. Yeah, so as we move through this, y'all, you know, Paul does say things that are very counterculture to today. That's he, right. He does. It was also counterculture then. That's what we have to remember. When Paul said that a man should love his wife to the point of dying for her, y'all, they did not hold marriage in that high oh, of right. esteem. They did not value marriage. They could, Men could they divorce could, women oh, if yes. she burnt the burnt bread the toast, or right. was dissatisfying him in yes, any way. Yes, they could just right. do away with the whole um, marriage vow. And then, listen, that meant that the woman was as good as dead. Because if she wasn't attached to a man, she had nothing. Right. So even though these things are, are counterculture today, they were counterculture then, too. They were radical, right. these, these ideas that, that Paul is presenting. So that's what we've got to remember. I mean, Scripture is always, right? Scripture is always like. Countercultural. Yeah, it's always like, wow, that yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense without God. Right. Um. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, women in the church. We've talked about women in the home. So um, I'm going to stand on that truth, y'all. Women in the home, you're su- you should submit to your husband. Um, you should be a gift to him. You should recognize that he is the authority. Um, just like the Trinity, you know, has a, a certain amount of submissiveness in it as well. It's a, well, here's how Elizabeth Elliot puts it. She puts it that it's a willing glad submission Mm. so so we see that um in the godhead and then we also see it um in marriage uh as marriage represents the church christ and the church okay right so let's talk about um first timothy first timothy all right let's see what paul had to say so we have to remember that this is paul speaking in a letter to timothy and he says in chapter two verse eight is where i'm starting he says I desire then that in every place the men should pray lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Likewise, also the women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold and pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who confess godliness with good works. Let women learn quietly with all submissive. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. For Adam was formed before her, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. Yet she will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith and love and holiness with self-control. Okay, so the first thing that we need to clear up is the part about a woman being saved through childbearing. So we know that it's not a contradiction through scripture because we know that we are saved by faith through grace. So what does this actually mean? Well, I did a little bit of research earlier And I was on crossway.org, and basically what they were saying is one interpretation of this is that it's not talking about childbirth generically, but it's talking about the childbirth of the Messiah Jesus, and talks about how Genesis 3.15 says that the seed of the woman will be crushed by the, or will crush the head of the serpent, so that was a prophecy about the birth of Jesus, who will destroy the works of the devil, and that this is a very similar passage talking about Mary giving birth to Jesus. 
Okay. Ooh, verses. I know. It's, it's a, a lot, lot of verses. I know. And normally, so normally the verse that everybody kind of sticks on is verse 11. Is that Emma, you Let think? Or 11 and 12? Learn quietly all submissive. Yeah. <laughs> and do not permit yeah. a woman to teach or exercise authority, authority over, over a man. man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. Yeah. So when we talk about church order, Paul was huge on church order. He addresses it in 1 Corinthians. He addresses it here. Um, he addresses it really all throughout Scripture, especially to letters um, to Timothy, because Timothy is starting this church. Um, and so he talks a lot about church order. Uh, there's just a certain way that that Paul said things need to go mm-hmm. in the church. Um, and, you know, when you understand the order of creation, it helps you to understand the order of the church, right? Because we see in creation Adam and Eve, and now we see, we saw in Ephesians, that he said that the marriage, so at home, the husband and wife, is a picture of Christ in the church, um, we didn't read those verses, but it's uh, in same same chapter, Ephesians 5. And now we see him talking specifically to men and women. That's what I love here, Emma, this passage that you picked, in the church. So men, he's addressing them as well. So guess what? There was a problem. Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Because he wrote this letter to Timothy. He said, hey, this is what I want the men to correct, and this is what I want the women to correct. So... The problem here, I think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, okay. um, is that women feel like Paul is kind of degrading and, and like I'm, I'm – She's making a hand I motion. I can't like tell what this here, means yet. Right. <laughs> um, but, yes, people think that Paul is maybe diminishing women in the church. Okay. Is that, yeah, is that I fair? Mean, I think that's fair to say. I definitely okay. think that's probably where their mind is at. Okay. Thinking that we're not allowed to have any sort of voice or opinion in the church. Yeah. Right. Um, So that's not at all. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's not at all what Paul um, is saying throughout Scripture because we have so many other examples um, of Paul, again, elevating women. I mean, he says that Timothy's mother was paramount in, in Timothy's discipleship in his um, upbringing right. where she she pointed him to the Lord and taught him <laughs> about God and who he is. Um, so we see that throughout Scripture, um, Paul is, again, like the Old Testament, elevating women at a certain point. So here um, we see that he says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man but to remain quiet. What do you think is the most significant part of that verse? Yeah, I think the most significant part um, is that a woman is not supposed to teach or exercise authority over a man in the church order. So in... Sounds like you just repeated the verse, Carrie. (laughs) Exactly. So in a church service, per se where sacraments are being given and received, where there's a church order, there's a corporate worship service. Um, a woman... You mean like congregants sitting in pews, a preacher standing yes. up in front of people, yes, talking to the whole church, that is the order we're talking about yes. right now. Yes, where we have shepherding of souls, where we have baptism, where we have uh, communion, 
um, where we have um, maybe a corporate prayer okay. and, and church discipline. Yes. Okay, so those are... That's the picture that we're That's the painting. picture, okay. right? So at that point, um, Paul is saying that a woman should not lead. She is not to be in charge of that she's entire She's not group. to be in charge of that. She's just, yeah, she's not That's to be That's just the way it is. It is just the way it is. That we've, we've been told to act. Yeah. And also, let, let's just go ahead and address this, too. Paul also says in 1 Corinthians, he teaches us about gifts, about spiritual gifts, and he says that everyone should use their gift. That's right. Like every single person who is in the body of Christ should exercise his or her gift because it builds up the body and it makes the body function the way that it is designed to function, okay? So let's just say, Emma, that I'm in a church service and I just think to myself, golly, I could have preached a much better sermon than that dude. (laughs) <laughs> like I could have probably could have well yeah, let's just say that, <laughs> that that was my thinking right that I okay. thought golly maybe I would have done something different with that text maybe I would have gone a different direction maybe um, I had a better analogy or a better explanation than the preacher okay, okay. so let's just let's just say maybe I could have done it better right that's not God's order yeah. and design so it doesn't matter. And God always provides a place for us to exercise our gifts. Right. I was going to say, even if you did have those thoughts, that doesn't mean yeah. that you can't share those thoughts. Exactly. And that doesn't mean that you can't teach a Sunday school class right. or teach a small group yes. or a girl's Bible study. That yes. doesn't, or a boy, I mean, you know, right. just a Bible study. Yeah. That doesn't mean you can't exercise it there. Right. And I um, have taught men and women both for years. So I, you know, uh, we've led a Bible study, Ronnie and I, an adult Bible study, college. You know, we lead a college Bible study with you guys, and it's men and women. Right. So um, I, I don't feel that that's a problem because we are not in a ordered church service. So I am not a pastor. I am not shepherding souls. I am not the leader of the church. Um, so... So when Paul says, I believe this is in 1 Corinthians, when he talks about a woman shouldn't raise a question in church, she should wait and ask her husband at home. Oh, yeah. What is he talking about? (laughs) I think that they had a, well, the Corinthians, now we're not studying Corinthians together, but y'all know the Corinthians were jacked up people. I mean, they had some serious problems going on in that church. Yes. And that whole letter is Paul addressing those problems one by one. So one of the problems they had was being irreverent and out of order in church service, in corporate gatherings. That was one of their problems. And so he was correcting that. And he's saying the bigger picture here <laughs> is the worship of God has order and it has reverence. And that is what you should be focused on, not yelling out in the church service that you have something to contribute or Listen, he even talks about it, y'all, exercising your spiritual gift out of order. So, so he doesn't just focus. See, that's the thing. He doesn't just focus on the women. He does correct that problem, but he also corrects other problems. I think, though, that society has honed in on these just little verses, pulled them out of context, and said, "See, Christianity is diminishing to women." Right? Absolutely not. We are one of probably the most elevating religion 
yes. of women. Yes. That's a fact. We, yeah, we are because Jesus was radical when he was here on this earth that he spoke to women. That's right. I mean, he wasn't even supposed to speak to women because that was their culture. So he was counterculture then, and scripture is counterculture now, which makes perfect sense. So that's good stuff. That's true. That's good stuff. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about home. <laughs> Let's see. Have we talked enough about women in the home, Emma? Have we talked enough about that? Oh, no. <laughs> no? Okay. So I definitely think we need to talk about how society is trying to diminish and belittle the role of motherhood mm-hmm. and the idea of stay-at-home mothers. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about that, Carrie. Yeah, that's hard because – so for those of you who are listening who might be young women and you've not yet married and, and had children – like um, me, I can tell you that it's the hardest job ever mm. to 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 raise your children, to keep your home, to be a helper to your husband. Um, it is the hardest job on the planet. Like, I- and here's the thing: it's just mentally taxing. It's physically taxing, um, and it's and it's also taxing in a spiritual way. It's it's part of your sanctification. That um, that we value seemingly mundane tasks because they have a higher purpose, right? So society says, okay, well anybody can just stay home and fold laundry, <laughs> right? Right. Okay, but when I fold laundry, <laughs> right, I know it has a higher purpose because Scripture says that what I do is an act of worship as a Christian. Everything I do is an act of worship. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the that's Lord. Right. Um, so that's so. Go yeah, ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. No, you go. Well, I was going to say that I think a lot of people who have that mentality, who have and hold that opinion that motherhood and staying at home is somehow easy, mm. people who've never done it. Yeah, you've not been there. Yeah. I mean, I've not been there, but I've seen it firsthand. My mom was a stay-at-home mom sure. for the majority of my life. Yeah. And I watched it. And I know that it's hard. Yeah. There's a lot to get done. There's a lot of things that go on and go into that. Yeah. And the people who hold that opinion, I just don't think that they've either seen it firsthand or done it themselves. Yeah. And I think that um, as we work through these issues, definitely um, with young women your age, Emma, um, I want y'all to value the tasks that God has designed specifically for you. Right. So um, a man, you know, can't bear a child. <laughs> a man can't, you know, get pregnant and, and experience and childbirth. And it's such um, a unique activity and experience. Right. And it's really cool to think that God um, reserved that for me mm-hmm. as a woman. Right. So it's also um, really cool to raise your children when they're babies and um, they uh, you just get to experience that mm-hmm. um, I can remember when our sons were little um, and they first started talking I was with them all day long so when Ronnie got home from work they would say something to Ronnie and he would not have a clue what they were saying because he just hadn't been with them and I would say he wants his cup like I knew <laughs> I could communicate with them much sooner than Ronnie um, which is a gift 
right? That's just a gift. It's just an awesome experience. Um, And so I want that um, for your age group. I want y'all to experience those things. But we also need to remember that God does not call every single woman to bear children or raise children of her own. But he does call every woman to invest in the young women around her that he puts in her path. So um, Titus 2, you can read about that in Titus 2 verses 3, 4, and 5. It specifically instructs women to support other women. So when we read Titus 2, 3, and 4, it says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. So God calls women to invest in the younger women around them that he puts in their path. And he also calls women to be spiritual mothers to younger women. Women are mothers, regardless if they bear children or raise children of their own, because God calls us to be. It's not to say that working outside of the home is a sin oh, or right. a bad thing, Emma. Yeah. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm just saying that it's a valid choice. Right. And also this is, that's something that home. I said before the podcast started, before we started recording, is that I feel like the pendulum has swung so oh. far in the opposite direction yes. where feminists are telling us that, you know, if you stay at the home, you're somehow doing a disservice to your sex. To your s- or yourself. Or yourself. Yes. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Emma, that's a great point. Okay, you got to say that again because that's really good. <laughs> if, you you stay at you home, <laughs> if you stay at home, then you're doing a disservice to yourself. Yeah. That's what we're told by yeah. society. And and just, I love how you put that, just to women as a womankind. whole. Yeah, womankind. That you're yeah, just. Somehow we're hurting each other yes. or something. Uh, I think depriving women home. of having the ability to stay home is a disservice to our sex. Yeah. For sure. Saying that we shouldn't be allowed maternity leaves or that we we have to go back to work as soon as possible. It's ridiculous. If a woman wants to stay at home, let her stay at home. Let Let her her be with her children. It shouldn't be forced either way that she has to stay home or that she has to go. Yeah, for sure. I think that's her choice. I think that's the family's choice. I think that's something that you work through as a family unit together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I think I just think that. If you have the option to stay at home, um, that's a blessing and a gift. If you work outside the home, um, that can also be um, a blessing and a gift to your family um, as a whole. So um, I know lots of um, friends of mine that they decided in their marriage, Emma, you know, they decided as a family, okay, it's best for you to continue working outside the home and we'll just reevaluate as we go and listen. That's fine. It's whatever is best for the family unit. I agree. Yes. Wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly, yes. What else you got, Carrie? What else you got? Let's talk about why it is so important that we maintain male and female genders. 
Let's talk about Ooh. the importance of that. Scripturally. Absolutely. Okay, scripturally. Okay. We're not going to talk about it societally because we're just not going to right now. But let's talk about it scripturally. Why God made man and woman. Okay. So what is your... My first answer. What is your first answer? <laughs> what is your guess? Well, absolutely what first comes to mind is the idea that what we talked about earlier, creation. Yeah. God created Adam. It wasn't good enough. He needed more. Yep. And then he made Eve. He talks about how we're made in the image of God and the likeness of God. Right. And so he's got some of God's personality in Adam and some of God's personality in Eve, some of his attributes. Yes, yes, yes. Without yes. Eve, without woman, then we're only getting half of the picture of God. Oh, Emma, so good. That's why that's important. So good. If we blur those lines and say that one's less important than the other or that they don't exist at all together, then we're missing the picture of God. Yes, that is it. So we have to remember that um, as we move through, especially your age group, as you move through society now, and so if you choose to get married, if you choose all that, you have to remember exactly what you said. Male and female expression is the full picture of God. Together. That, together. Right. That's what shows us the full picture of God, just like you said, those attributes. Because, Emma, the man is protector, provider. The woman is nurturing, nurturer, recipient. Right. The man is the pursuer. The woman is the receiver. I mean, it's just the full picture of God that we would miss once we say men and women don't matter. We're all the same. Ugh. No more gender roles. Right. Sexuality doesn't matter. Just everybody just do what you want to do. Right. So that's why it's so important. And also, we see that carried through Scripture. We see it all through Scripture, this picture of man and woman that reflect who God is. So God calls Israel his bride, right? Then as we move through the New Testament, we have the church as the bride of Christ, okay? And we have this all through Scripture, this picture that we have to have both for the full expression of who God is. Amen, So Carrie. good. Amen. Oh my gosh, that's so, so, so good. Love it. So that is another reason too, and we're not going to talk about this in this <laughs> podcast, but that's another reason too that I want young women especially to value being a woman. I want you to see it as a gift. I want you to see it as a blessing. I want you to see it as your order from God. I want you to see it as um, your role, and I want you to see your femininity in a way that glorifies God, right? So that's what I want for, what are you, millennial? No, you're Gen Z. Ooh. What are you? I don't really know. Oh, she said, ooh. ooh. She said, ooh. I don't, I think I'm right there in Your between. early 20s, right. Right. So that's what, that's what I, that's what I would love to see happen in the church oh yes is is young women just value your sexuality listen don't apologize for it (laughs) don't apologize right god made us physically the way we are yes i mean this is a whole other i know it's a whole other thing gosh i know we got to talk about it i i don't know if we have time today but you know at some point carrie you're gonna have to talk about transgenderism and the way that it's really, really affecting young women. No, I don't want um, young women to apologize for wanting to glorify God by their femininity. 
because God made us all physically the way that he made us. We didn't have a choice in that. And he does expect us to glorify him in that way. So it's super important for girls to know scripture about being a woman. Yes. <laughs> I think that's what's so f- I think that's what's frustrating to young women is that they don't know scripture, so they're listening to society and then they're <laughs> actually it's it's Romans 12. They are trying to be conformed into the mold that society wants them to be molded into, right? So just like you said, Emma, society says, you can do what a man can do. You're just like a man. There's no difference. And that's just not true. So I think that's where the frustration is coming in because God made us different. He made us distinct. Yes, he did. So once we understand that scripturally, I think we can better hold ourselves in regard. Yeah, and better glorify God through and that. And better glorify God. Right. Awesome. Amen. Amen. <laughs> well, I hope that um I hope this episode encourages young women and, and brings clarity and brings clarity. And I hope that um I, you know, young men can benefit from this conversation too. I hope some young men stayed on. I do too, because here's the thing. I I know for my sons, I want my sons to seek out a young woman who has a clear vision for who God says that she is. I, I want them to seek out a young woman that is so confident in her role that God has given her. Right. Because I know that that's going to be the best outcome. So I hope some guys have stayed on this week too <laughs> to kind of listen so they know what kind of girl to pursue. pursue. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. Thank you, Carrie, for having me on. See y'all later. Um, please check out all of our social platforms, um, Unpopular Truth Podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram, um, our website, www unpopulartruthpodcast.com and we will see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.